0: Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council.
1: This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here.
2: Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world.
3: Council. That's my grandpa.
2: Wow, well, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history.
4: It's pretty cool, I guess.
2: Give it to me
0: straight, John. You're in charge. Did you have a good Easter? I, I hope you didn't eat too much chocolate. And I would like to think that the majority of the listening audience to late-night council is not really into the chocolate thing. I mean, everybody likes chocolate. I know that. But, you know, when it comes to Easter, we have, I would like to think, a little bit of a better understanding of the whole thing, right? You know, we're not as caught up in, in the chocolate stuff as we are. And, you know, this is the, the, the celebration of the resurrection and, uh, you know, little wiser, a little more mature, I would think, Right. But then again, there's nothing wrong with having fun, is there? Welcome to the show. This is Late Night Council. Uh, We do it only on Sunday nights, okay? And it is uh, Ask the Pastor format, although, you know, if you've been listening the last six, seven weeks, you know, we kind of stretch out. We get talking about just about everything uh, because it is open line, open topic, okay? And uh, callers are more valuable than anything. We love it when you email. We love it when you, you know, tweet at at us, but uh, the calls are the best, okay? It is primarily a phone-in show. Now... There are shows when I don't get calls, which is okay, because I'm always ready and I'm always prepared, and it is an honor and a privilege that, you know, that you have tuned in and you want to share the evening with me, okay? But... And maybe it's just my preference. Maybe it's not yours. And, 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 you know, it's probably true. It is my preference. I probably enjoy the calls more than you do, because if you enjoyed the calls more than I did, you'd probably be calling in more. But that's okay. I leave it up to you. We do have phone numbers, though. If you're in the Capital Region, 343-743-90, it is open line, open topic. Whatever you bring to the program on Late Night Council, I am going to do my best to give you the biblical perspective on it, the faith perspective on it, Okay. So, we get into politics, we get into uh, uh entertainment we get into social issues, we get into family issues we get into personal stuff it 's not a counseling show okay that would be inappropriate it really would okay because you don't want to hang out your dirty laundry for everybody to hear but on the other hand there are people that you know struggle with things and sometimes they're a lot more common than you think they are and uh you know you don't if you don't mind discussing them on the air i don't mind dealing with them okay open line open topic 34374390 is the Capital Region Line. Now, to those of you that live in the Capital Region, Ottawa, Gatineau area, 343 is not a common area code. We're all familiar with 613, but you're going to be hearing 343 a lot more. It is a new area code, and we've got one of the new numbers, 343 Get you right in. You don't have to dial 1 before. Get you direct to the show. 343 Long distance, okay? Good for all across North America. 844 LNC is on. 1844 Late Night Council is on. 1844 LNC is on. Or if you like numbers, 844 562 4766. That's 844 562 4766. The answering system is automated. It works just as good as as an operator on the other side of the the glass here, okay? So don't worry about uh, you know like look at if you can if you could leave a message on a phone, you can get on air and get on late night council, okay? I'm not going to know your name because it doesn't print names, but I got your phone number up there. And, uh, you know, when you get on the air, I'll say, who's on the air? And you'll hear a voice, you hear a message or a beep that says, buff, buff, you're on the air now, okay? And uh, the next voice you hear is mine. And you tell us who you are. And if you don't want to share your name and you want to, you know, maybe use a pseudonym, as long as you're polite about it, we're okay, okay? And as long as you're not saying fraudulent things, you know, and uh, you can get on, okay? one 24766 is the long distance line good for all over North America all those far away exotic places that we love calling out on occasion you know we don't always do it but I mean it is a fun kind of part of the show and if we if we call out some you know later on the show tonight uh, good if not uh, well, we'll see you know I mean there might be people listening from La- uh, Lazy Buddy Texas there might be people listening in Tuxedo New York you know there might be people listening in uh, oh, let's see uh, Brewers Mills New Brunswick and you can call in one 1- eight. 844-562-4766. That's the long distance number. Um, email jc at Okay, I know it's a long thing, but it's if you know how to spell and if you're patient, jc at Hopefully I'm in your memory file there, and you've emailed me before and you can do it again. JC at Twitter is uh, Twitter, and then you go JW Council. They're very, very easy to find. No problem. So what is on your mind tonight? I'm gonna to tell you what's on mine. And you probably want to know what's on mine because, you know, you wouldn't be tuned in if you didn't. So here goes. Easter. Happy Easter. Did you use Google today? Now, if you notice, if you use, everybody uses Google, okay? I, my mother doesn't use Google. She's uh, going to be, let me see, she's going to be 85 next month. And uh, she tried to and couldn't handle the technology of the Internet and finally said, that's it, I don't need it. And she just gave up, which is kind of sad because we'd love to FaceTime with her and, you know, send her pictures of the grandkids. But that's my problem. That's not yours. Okay. Everybody, pretty much everybody Googles. And you'll notice that, you know, on holidays... You know, they often have themed title pages, don't they? Like when the Olympics is running, you get the Olympic rings on. St. Patrick's Day, there's leprechauns and pots of gold and everything's green. Earth Day, oh, I don't know, they have to show somebody, you know, taking your money and making you think you're helping the planet. Uh, Christmas, there's always decorations in Rudolph and trees and everything. Ramadan, okay? Even for Ramadan, they'll have, you know, a crescent moon and a mosque, you know, calling for prayer and everything. Well, today was Easter Sunday nothing absolutely nothing no crosses no empty tomb nothing google's based in north america i don't know do i have a problem that you know they celebrate ramadan and everything else and you know and but easter the most important holiday most revered most celebrated holiday by i will call it I will term them real Christians, more celebrated, more revered than any other, way more than Christmas. I mean, we've had long discussions on, on, on radio and on phone-in shows about how, you know, the commercialization of Christmas. Christmas, you know, at least culturally, it, you know, you hardly hear a mention about Jesus at all. It's, it's just one big orgy of spending, okay? But Easter's different. If you follow Christ, Easter's important to you. Nothing on Google today. Nothing. Now, Earlier in the week, somebody tweeted me. There's a, and I can't remember what the uh, 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 Twitter feed is. I've got Twitter right now, and uh, I really should go to, uh, I really should go to uh, this uh, uh, whoever tweeted this to me because this is somebody you need to follow. It's it's not a religious uh, uh, Twitter page, but I thought it very very telling. And uh, the person that I got this from is is Comrade Stump comrade stump c-o-m-r-a-d-e stump one okay and he's got a picture and i think it's beautiful he's got a picture of the new york city skyline manhattan in 1956 okay you get four point you four uh, 4600 retweets for this That means there's 4,600 people that saw this and liked it enough that they retweeted it. And let me see how many followers he's got on Twitter. He's got 19,600 followers, okay? So he's no slouch on Twitter. He's got way more followers than I do. And he's got a picture of Manhattan in 1956, the skyline of Manhattan. And it's nighttime. And right now I am looking at the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, and at least one other, two other, Skyscrapers, prime predominant skyscrapers in the New York skyline, and all of them have the lights turned on and off on those buildings in the shape of a cross. Easter 1956, at least three major skyscrapers in the Manhattan skyline have the sign of the cross lit up in, you know, the office lights on uh, on the side. I mean, you know how they do that for special occasions, especially the, I mean, nowadays with the Empire State Building, when it's, when it's uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day, it's all green. When it's Christmas, it's green and red. Well, this is back then before they'd start all, the, install all the color lights. They would, they would synchronize, you know, the office lights to, you know, create pictures. And there's crosses on three of them. My, oh, my, have things changed, haven't they? We're the largest communication network that people use, the biggest search engine on the network that is used by hundreds of millions of people every day. We'll celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We'll celebrate Christmas. We'll celebrate the Olympics. We'll celebrate even Ramadan. But nothing on Easter. Does that tick you off if you're a follower? It ticks me off. What's the biblical perspective? I don't know. If I'm being too hard here, you call in and you rake me over the coals for it. I know there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible says to fear God is to hate evil. Okay? God followers, people that take their Christian faith seriously, we're supposed to hate evil. You don't hate evil people. Okay? But you hate evil. And it seems as though evil is, is you know, having a heyday nowadays. 343 3, 700 40, I got a ton of stuff to talk about tonight. I don't know, even if you don't call in tonight, I don't know whether uh, I'm going to be able to fit in all the calls tonight. I don't know, okay? I mean, I, I I I could fit in the calls, but I don't know if I could fit in everything I want to talk about tonight because I got so much stuff I want to share with you tonight, including, incl- I'm not going to go into detail, okay, because uh, that's not what this show is about, but... um my new church, we started our new church today, Christ Church Ottawa. We had our first public service. Now, we've been meeting for a good, oh, we've been meeting for about seven weeks. In fact, when we first met together, we didn't even know we were going to be a church. A lot of us came through a lot of difficult circumstances. Circumstances to do with the previous church that I was pastoring. And obviously, I'm not going to go into detail on air. And, um, because of the difficulties we went through, the only thing we felt confident about doing was getting together and praying. No agenda, not knowing where we're going, not knowing what we were doing. We had a lot of questions. There was a lot of hurts. There was anger. There was, there was a, a ton of broken hearts. What do you do? Well, people that you know are hurting as much as you and people that are kind of as aimless as you are, and, they, and they've been Maligned get them together and start praying. So we started praying on Thursday nights. And after the first prayer meeting, one thing was very, very clear to all of us. We needed to do this again. So we prayed another Thursday night. And we all felt the same way. Got to do this again. About four prayer meetings in, we kind of agreed and looked at each other. You know what? We got a church going here, whether we like it or not. And, um, I remember being asked about three months ago, you know, John, would you ever start a new church? I said, no way. Way too much work. I'm 57 years old. That's what 20- and 30-year-olds do. But I've been meeting with the most incredible people I think I've ever been associated with in 35 years of ministry. I mean, people full of integrity, okay? People that, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> all i got to say is they're really, really Christ-like and uh, through a lot of circumstances, and uh, through our friends at Capital City Mission in Ottawa here, in Lower Town. And I've been associated with them, and, and uh, uh, the, the director of Capital City Mission, Tim Meisenheimer, who's been a buddy of mine for years. He, was, he used to come on Ask the Pastor with me when I was in the previous radio, show, uh, radio station. And uh, uh, I started volunteering at Capital City Mission uh, the first day I was free from my uh, church that I resigned from. And uh, we got talking and in partnership with them, um, and, and they've come kind of come alongside of us, but uh, it's resulted in the birth of Christchurch. And we were able to rent facilities for so cheap, I don't want to tell you how much we got it for, because uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> it's almost a criminal deal. And uh, it's adequate. But this morning, it was standing room only. This morning, we were packed right out. And if the crowds continue even as they are, even if they don't grow, um, we have very healthy problems. We have to find a bigger space to, uh, uh, to meet in. So it was, it was quite a, a momentous, it was quite an incredible uh, Easter Sunday for me. That, in fact, that's what I've been up to for you know, the last uh, seven or eight weeks is seeing this whole thing come to fruition And uh, it it has really, really, really been an amazing journey. And and I want to hear from you as well. How was your Easter today? What's on your mind? It's Open Line, Open Topic. It's Late Night Council. This is live, unless, of course, you're listening by podcast. And I hope, I hope, you know, you don't just, I hope it's not just a podcast thing with you here. And, And I know we've got about... Oh, probably five to eight times as many people that listen to this show on podcast as we do live. But you can't call in during the podcast, can you? So uh, open line, open topic, whatever you want to talk about. 343 743 in the Capital Region. That's 343-743-90. 562 4766 is long distance. That's one eight four four five six two. Four seven six six. Now, because again, we still don't have ads for the show. And uh because we don't have ads, I gotta catch my breath. I gotta reload. So I, I, I play some really good tunes, okay? It's a lot of fun. And 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 one of the things that uh that I wanna deal with tonight, and we seem to talk about it a lot, is is, you know, what's going on in the Mid East. We talked about it a lot last week. And oh about it would have been ten years ago? No, it might even be more than that, maybe fifteen years ago. Uh, Roger Waters, the brains and the chief lyricist of Pink Floyd, okay, came out with a tune that really intrigued me. And it was really, really appealing to me because he, he hired to do the lead guitar part on it, my, my absolute favorite artist of all time, Mr. Jeff Beck. There's a tune I want to play for you called What God Wants. Listen to the lyrics. Now, remember, this guy's not a follower of Christ. And I could certainly understand why he's got his cold, hard, cynical attitude towards religion. Or if you just want to listen for the sake of, a, you know, the phenomenal guitar work. And uh, I, I don't know if you've heard this before. I don't think I've ever heard it played, at least on Ottawa radio. The last time I ever heard it played on radio anywhere, I think it might have been in Toronto or down in Los Angeles or or uh, in Detroit. And, and you know, the, the Ottawa-led audience, at least, the capital region, you may have never heard this tune before. But uh, if you like good music, you're going to love this one. We'll be right back after What God Wants.
1: Names to
3: the priest said, God wants goodness, God wants light, God wants mayhem, God wants clean faith. chain stores God wants sedition God wants sex God wants freedom God wants self-tax Good old God, old God, old God wants shrines. God wants law. God wants organized God wants
0: Not bad for a guy who you know is nowhere near being a follower of Christ. You ever heard that before? That is Roger Waters, the lyrical and you know, brains behind Pink Floyd, the lead singer, and Jeff Beck, and a, and a, a kicking good you know a black gospel choir backing him up. The tune is called "What God Wants." There's an accompanying video on Google if you want to check it out. Well, that doesn't sound very Christian. No, yeah, but I'm always intrigued. I'm always intrigued by, you know, people who are honest with themselves to search things out. I don't mind people taking pot shots at the, at the Christian faith. I don't mind people if they're being honest and if they're not being cynical and if they're just asking open-hearted questions. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in the name of Jesus Christ that is not biblical and is not honoring to Jesus Christ at all. So I think the world has a right to be cynical about people that preach the name of Jesus Christ. You better earn the right to be heard before you open your mouth first. I hope that your lifestyle is one, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, I hope your lifestyle is one of Christ-likeness before you start going espousing any type of spiritual or religious dogma. Because if there's one thing I've noticed about people that are not followers of Christ, okay, they can spot a phony a mile away. Oh, they can spot a phony a mile away. And if you're just playing religious games or if you think that sharing the gospel is, you know, just a, 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 a neat way to trick somebody into praying a magic prayer or trick them into coming to your church so your numbers will swell, that's not the gospel at all. The gospel is that you can be free from sin. The gospel is the things that beat you up and the things you keep failing at, the things, you know, that you can't correct in life. The word says that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Does that mean he's soft on sin? Of course not. Does that mean there's no hell? Hey, I wish there wasn't, but a far more authoritative source than me says that there is. And I have difficulty believing that, but I'm not going to sit there and, and say, no, it's not true just because of my limited understanding of reality. Yeah, there's things in the Bible that tick me off. There's things in the Bible that, whoa, you know, sometimes hard to take. But the over-encompassing message of the Bible is that Christ can transform your life. That tr- Christ can, Christ can uh, cleanse you. And, and make you a new person. He turns thieves into honest people. He turns philanderers into people that are faithful. He transforms egomaniacs into humble, wonderful people that you like hanging around. And when he does it, the people sometimes that are most shocked are the people that it's happened to because they can't believe what he's done. The cross, the crucifixion. Christ's blood that he shed overcame sin and overcame evil. But, but, it did not overcome fairness. A lot of unfairness in the world. A lot of injustice. I'll bet you've heard this one before. Well, if there's a God, how come there's so much suffering? Because the cross overcame sin and evil, but not unfairness. If you want to overcome fairness, if you want... If you want justice, then, then you're going to need the resurrection. That's what the resurrection's for. Because the resurrection, the resurrection proves that death has been conquered as well. In fact, there's people who call themselves Christians. There's people who call themselves followers of Christ who don't even believe in the resurrection. You wouldn't believe, and I'm going to get to it in a, in a few minutes, you wouldn't believe the survey that came out of Britain last week. It's just been published in the last couple days. But before I go there as you know on on, on, on late night counsel on the ask when we do ask the pastor I'm always trying to give you the biblical perspective here's the biblical perspective on this discussion here this is 1 Corinthians 15 verses 13 and 14 if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. you ever read that scripture? A lot of people that, you know, that criticize the Bible, they don't know, you know how pointed and in your face it can be. I love that line. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Everything in the Christian faith revolves around the resurrection. No resurrection, then you are wasting your time. And probably anybody else that's listening to you as well. In fact, if there's no resurrection, I'm wasting my time going on air. I'm wasting my time, spending all of my energy trying to manufacture disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. If there's no resurrection, I mean, there's actually people who show up at G- at, at church because, or show up at churches all around the world because they like the liturgy, you know, and they kind of like the tradition. It makes them feel sentimental, maybe romantic. I don't know. Do you actually believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? Well, I don't know about that. Well, according to the Bible, if you don't believe that, I don't mean to be dogmatic. I don't mean to be pushy, but the Bible even says of itself, you know, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we're wasting our time. I mean, you may as well go hang out on a bar somewhere and, you know, have some fun, watch a hockey game. There's nothing wrong with that, but boy, you know, if I've stacked that up against believers, who have experienced the resurrection power of Christ in this day and age, oh my, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I want to get to that survey that uh, uh, was uh, taken in Britain just a couple weeks ago, and it's just been published in the last week of what they found out of, and remember, Britain, Church of England, you know, Britain, you know, like uh, that's supposed to be the bastion of, of, of Western Christian thought. Oh my goodness, have things changed there. You stay right where you are okay you stay right where you are and we're gonna be we're gonna be right back okay and uh, um, I've got this we got this information update that we do you know you want to know what's going on with the program and you want to know how we're doing things here and uh, I need to take a breather and if you want to call in and uh, yak about what God wants maybe somebody maybe that taunt song ticks some of you off good tell me about it tell me why you got ticked off with it or whatever else is on your mind. It's open line, open topic like it always is on Late Night Council. It's ask the pastor. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562. 4766 is the long distance line for all over North America. 1-844-562-4766. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's the email address. Keep it under six lines or I don't even look at it. And you can tweet at me at JW Council right back after some very important information. Stay with us. Reloading and taking a much needed break with this here pre recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343 700 4390. That's 343 700 4390. That's uh, the capital region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, no, and close by. If you live far away, the toll free line all across North America. 1844 LNC is on. That's one 1844. Five six two four seven six six one eight four four five six two four seven six six. Our call service is automated, so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now, don't sweat that; just follow the on-air prompts, and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me; you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at TuneInRadio.com or Google Play, or just click the Listen Live button at LateNightCouncil.com. But you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. council does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time email me at jc at late and the rates are so cheap because you know we're just relaunching and getting things going again you are going to absolutely love the rates and of course your feedback is always welcome tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and thanks for tuning in we're back live in just a few seconds so hang in there Okay, I want to reset this for you because I want to deal with this uh, um, this survey that was done in Great Britain uh, a couple weeks ago. First of all, you, you, uh, the biblical perspective on the whole topic, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 13, 14. It says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. One in four British Christians say resurrection of Jesus didn't occur, according to survey. One in four who call themselves Christians in Britain, say the resurrection of Jesus didn't occur. And they wonder why they're losing their country to Islam. (laughs) One in four people who identify themselves as Christians in England say that they believe that the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen according to a new poll. BBC local radio commissioned the survey for Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday. Measuring the responses of the general public, all Christians, and active Christians, which refers to Christians who attend religious services at least once per month. So these are church-going people, okay? One quarter, resurrection of Jesus did not occur. Hmm. Now, there might be a ray of hope in this here, because at the end of the article, it says here, perhaps surprisingly, and this this is significant here. Perhaps surprisingly, the poll also found that younger British Christians ages 18 to 34. So we're talking university-age, younger professionals, okay? Younger British Christians ages 18 to 34 were more likely to attend church regularly than Christians between the ages of 45 and 64. So they've actually got a bit of a youth movement going on in Great Britain, I found that very telling. Now, because of this survey, a number of high-profile Brits have, you know, it's stirred up quite a a discussion in Great Britain, okay? Because, remember, one of the titles of the British monarch, the Queen of England, okay, who is soon going to be, you know, the King of England, he's the defender of the faith, and the faith is the Church of England, what we call the Anglican Church here. In Canada, those who identify themselves as Christians but do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot really be Christians. The former chaplain to Queen Elizabeth II argued, those people who neither believe in the resurrection nor go anywhere near a church cannot be Christians. That's what Dr. Gavin Ashenden said according to The Telegraph, major uh, publication in uh, uh, London, England. As with so many things, the key is in the definition of terms. Discovering the evidence for the resurrection, having taken place to be wholly compelling, is one of the things that makes you a Christian. Ergo, if you haven't, you are not. He believes that if you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not really a Christian. Now, this is my opinion. Of course, I want to hear yours. I think he's working from a very accurate definition. I do. I think the Reverend Dr. Gavin Ashenden is bang on. I mean, he's got to have some things going for him if he's the personal chaplain of Queen Elizabeth II. Wow. Now, that's not a bad question to throw out there if you want to get in on this tonight. Can you be an authentic Christian and not believe in the resurrection? I don't think you can. At least not by an accurate definition of what a Christian is, and we've talked a lot about that on this program, what a real Christian is. It's not what John Council says it is, because I know all the arguments for and against. To me, I would think the best definition of a Christian would come from the Bible itself. And I've, I've, I've given you that scripture often in the book of Acts, where it says in, in its Acts 11, verse 26, And it reports that in Antioch, after the first persecution of the Christians after the resurrection of Christ, you know, there was a mass exodus out of Jerusalem. In the center of Christianity, in the first 25 years after the resurrection, shifted from Jerusalem to about 300 miles, 500 kilometers north of Jerusalem in a place called Antioch. And it says, according to Acts 11.26, that that's where the disciples were first called Christians. The Greek word is Christos. The actual interpreta- the actual translation of Christos means miniature Jesuses. And there are enough secular historians, non-biblical historians, that have confirmed the fact that this was a derogatory term. These people fought like Jesus. They had the priorities of Jesus. They lived like Jesus. They acted like Jesus. And they had... A lot of the supernatural qualities of Jesus, so much so that they derogatorily mocked them and said, who do these people think they are? Do they think they're little Jesuses? That's what a Christian is. The biblical definition of a Christian is somebody that reminds you so much of Jesus, you call them a Christian. This cultural definition we've come up with is just it. Well, um, two of the highest profile atheists in our generation, one of them has passed on and one of them is still, you know, spewing his, you know, nonsense. Uh, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens who's passed on both of them identified themselves as cultural Christians they identified themselves as they like the tradition and they like the liturgy but they didn't believe now if you go by the biblical definition of the, of the of a Christian and if you look at you know what the Bible says about the resurrection it plainly would state that Whatever, you know, uh, Christianity that Christopher Hitchens or Richard Dawkins is espousing to, it's useless. It's a waste of time. I mean, you know, <laughs> get real or, you know, or quit pretending. And I, I really think that, you know, this is this whole of, of making Christ in your image or making God in your image. And again, argue with me on this. If you don't agree, I want to hear from you. It's literally making God in your image. Well, you know, I don't believe in a God like that. Well, really? Since when do you get the authority and the right? Since when are you all powerful to, you know, to determine which God is right and which God isn't right? Well, counsel, isn't that what you're doing? Do you think so? Call in and tell me. I don't think I'm doing that at all. I'm just quoting what the Bible says. And my hero had a lot of fun with religious hypocrites. In fact, my hero... The one who I would die for, who already died for me, the bunch that he ticked off the most were religious hypocrites. So I think any true follower of Christ has got a a pretty healthy, holy revulsion for religious hypocrisy. Ooh, that gets under our skin. Drives us nuts. Those of us that are serious followers of Christ, we get really ticked off when we hear what cults do to control their people. We get really ticked off when we hear about other people who call themselves Christians who use the name of Christ to get them, to make themselves rich. And they rip people off, and they lie, and they try to control. We don't like that. What about blessed are the merciful? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, i got to be merciful. i got to be forgiving. But boy, Jesus also said, if you cause one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the ocean with a millstone hung around your neck. He was very, very, very up front and guarded about people of of simple faith that were being abused and lied to and maligned by nefarious elements. Here's another scripture that talks about this kind of false Christianity. And I don't mean to be hard on people, but, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy that goes on Easter Sunday, isn't it? You know, you've probably heard of CEO Christians, Christmas Christmas and Easter only. I hope you're not like that. I hope you darken the door of a church more often than Christmas and Easter. Listen to 2 Timothy 3. Listen, that's good stuff here. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. You know, you try to criticize somebody for their lack of self-control? That's not politically correct. I mean, everybody should be able to be as perverted and as filthily moral as they want, immoral as they want to, right? Who are we to put any kind of restrictions on people's morality or make a statement that, you know, that's disgusting and I think it's pretty gross. You can't even say that about practices. Look what the Bible says. Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited. look at this. I'm not not making this up, okay? This is right, you can look it up for yourself. This is 2 Timothy 3, verse 4. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, here it is, it, it deals with this religious hypocrisy stuff, this Christianity without the resurrection, okay? Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And then look what it says. This is really politically incorrect. You know, the church growth cult, I call it, in North America, it's part of the evangelical branch. You know, they're not going to like this at all, okay? But this is Bible, and I find the church growth cult seems to ignore whole passages of the Bible. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, and look what it says, have nothing to do with such people. Oh, I thought, you know, we're supposed to love everybody. it doesn't say anything about not loving people. But it just recognizes that there is, a, there is a kind of a... a, a a religious empty-headed you know dogma induced form and ritual that has no supernatural power at all and followers of Christ because Paul is writing the, the letter to Timothy who is a young pastor and he's training him on what is right and what is wrong and he's saying don't have anything to do with these people it's like they've got it's like they've got a vaccination from the real disease of christianity they got a little bit of it and they're immune to the real thing and they cause more harm than good. At least that's what I'm getting out of that verse. Tell me what you think. Am I being too hard? Oh, John, but come on, no, John, 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 yeah, yeah you got it all wrong here. Well listen, if you think I got it all wrong, I want to hear from you keep taking my word for it. You know, I will look at, I can go all night on what I think this stuff talks about. and You know, you can come at me from whatever perspective you want. It's open line, open topic. Or maybe you want to take it down another direction. I don't know. 343-700-4390 is the capital region number. That's 343-700-4390. 844 562 If you're calling from Mechanic Settlement, New Brunswick. If you're calling from Congo... Alabama. If you're calling from Mystic, Georgia, or 88 Kentucky, that's 88 Kentucky, One eight four four five six two four seven six six. 562 4766. That's 1 562 4766. JC at latenightcouncil.com is the email address. That's JC at latenightcouncil.com. And you can tweet at me at J.W. Council. Got another great tune. I don't always like playing like, you know, like your. Your, your, your Christian like rock or your Christian contemporary music tunes, and, and this is just my opinion. You want to call in and argue Christian music, and I feel free. But I just find some of it, some of so, it, so much of it so boring. You know, every once in a while, I'll, you know, I'll throw a couple out there. But I want to play a a, a a a tune that was one of the biggest hits of 1993. So it's, it's 24 years now, and I remember hearing this for the first time. And I did some research on on uh, Gordon Sumner. And, uh, you know, what he was trying to communicate from this tune. Now, you don't know who Gordon Sumner is, but you know who Sting is. Sting is Gordon Sumner. That's his real name. I'm not a big Sting fan, but I love this tune. I think it speaks pretty pertinent of what we're talking about tonight. And if you don't think so, well, then you can call in, can't you? You know the tune. Well, if you don't, I think you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, you're probably going to enjoy it anyway. Welcome back to Late Night Council, 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. It's open line, open topic, whatever's on your mind. If you like what I say, call in. If you don't like what I say, call in. Or you can just sit back and enjoy. Don't want you getting stressed out. And if you are stressed out, we should call in. You know, We can, we can be a great stress reliever for you. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. 1-844-562-4766 is the long-distance line. That's one 844 562-4766. JC at latenightcouncil.com. That's the email address. Jc at latenightcouncil.com. And you can tweet at me at JW Council. Now, if you're following me on Twitter, I have never, I have never given you a biblical perspective on Tiger Woods. And that's not a gimmick just to get people to, you know, to listen in. I, I'm serious. I'm gonna give I'm I'm going to give you a biblical perspective on Tiger Woods. Well, John, how are you going to do that? Well, me being the faithful uh, talk show host that I am, I was doing research and getting ready, and I came across a story on ChristianPost.com. And it, 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 it you know, it broke my heart. It really did. It, it really rattled me. And... I've often talked about John Paul Getty, and I've used his quote. John Paul Getty, for those of you that are unfamiliar with him, uh, uh, I remember back in the 60s and 70s when I was first introduced to the Guinness Book of World Records. I saw it for the first time as like, a young kid. And the richest man in the world for decades was John Paul Getty. He had more money than anybody. The Getty Museum in uh, Los Angeles is one of the most incredible museums in the world for you know exclusive art. And John Paul Getty, the quote that I've used of his for years, and it's not exactly word for word, but I'm not violating you know, the intent of it in any way. This is exactly what he meant when he said, and he's he was on his fifth marriage when he said this, richest man in the world. I'd give every cent I have for a marriage that works, or for a successful marriage. What's I got to do with Tiger Woods? Well, I was looking at this... Uh, article, and it's from uh, um, uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, which is Australia. Here's the headline. Tiger Woods says regret of marriage breakup to wife Ellen will last a lifetime. Hmm. It's got a new book out. I don't know if it's uh, available in North America yet. But it's called Tiger Woods, Unprecedented, the Masters in Me, and it quotes a little bit of his book. And man, think about it, you know? This guy's a, arguably one of the greatest. Well, I mean, there's nobody that would argue he's one of the greatest golfers that ever lived. The argument would be, is he the greatest golfer that ever lived? Now, you could, you know, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, and a, and a bunch of others. I'm not a big golf fan. It's like, I mean, I'd rather watch paint dry than, you know, watch golf on TV. But I do enjoy playing the game. It's really expensive, takes a lot of time. But in those times when, you know, I've had a bit of cash and, and some time, it's something that I really, 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 really enjoyed. And if I was a multimillionaire, I'd do a lot more golfing. It's a real fun thing to do. But here's a guy who got paid obscene amounts of money for doing what millions of people, you know, choose to do on their leisure. And he was good at it, too. I mean, you go on Google and you check out some of the things this guy could do with a golf ball and how well he was. This guy was breaking par when he was, before he was 10. He was shooting par when he was 10. So the best at what he does, gazillions of dollars. Listen to what he says. Ellen Nordegren and I were so much in love when we married in 2004, but I betrayed her. My dishonesty and selfishness caused her intense pain. Ellen and I tried to repair the damage I had done, but we couldn't. You know what? I admire that guy more than ever. I mean, he's not blaming her. He's manning up. He says, I betrayed her. The damage that I had done. That's a real man there. And they're friends. And they love their kids. But, boy, that's just. The greatest gift I have in my life in this world is my wife and my marriage. I've been married for 35 years, and I get emails and I get, you know, messages all the time on people who really, really appreciate how I talk about my wife and how she's my hero and everything. And and if you, you if you, any of you have seen in the capital region here, seen us interact, you know that's the real deal. And I hear a guy talking like that, and I'll tell you, man, my heart goes out to him. It really goes out to him. I mean, to buy the lies of sin. There's a sermon I preach, and I pre- I've preached it quite often. It's a signature message I have. I mean, I've preached thousands of messages, but it's called Believable Lies. All the lies of the devil are believable. Well, of course they're believable. He's the father of lies. He's the best liar in the universe. Every one of them is believable. And he lies to people. And people got to remember, the devil's a lot smarter than you are. Stephen Hawking, okay, brilliant physicist, considered the greatest mind in the world today, is a blithering idiot compared to Lucifer. Lucifer is brilliant. That's not putting down Stephen Hawking. That just tells you how how brilliant this being is that Ephesians 6.12 says we wrestle against. He knows what he's doing. And without without the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in your life, you are no match for him. You are a sitting duck for his deception. And he sucks people in all the time. You can get away with it. Come on, it's going to be fun. Live a little. Hey, does it get any better than this? And you talk about a casualty of the devil's lies as Tiger Woods. Hey, I got all kinds of money, you know? I can hide it. He he himself admitted he was a he was a, a chronic cheater. He's messing around all the time. Dang, I hear stories like that. And I and I and I pray. God, I wish I could have got to that guy. I wish I could have got to him before he fell for all the crap and all the nonsense that I've seen. Because pastors we're the guys and, and not just pastors followers of Christ we are picking up the casualties of the devil's lies all the time it's not judgmentalism we try to bring mercy we try to bring restoration and thank God there is restoration thank God there is second chances but the scars the scar he'll he's admitted I'm going to have those scars for the rest of my life and scars aren't always a bad thing. When a little kid puts his hand on the stove, but he's scarred for the rest of his life, that may be ugly, it may not be nice, but he's got a scar to remind him there for the rest of life, don't do that again, don't do that again. Sometimes scars can have, a, can have a, 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 a reparative and a restorative and a protective quality to them. I'm thinking of Christ's words, what good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And you know what? John Paul Getty could probably have a version of that. And Tiger Woods, what good is it if you gain the whole world and you lose the most precious thing that you can have in this life? A wonderful marriage like that because, you know, you decided you were going to be a real man. You were going to, you know, flex your manhood again, which is another term for saying I'm going to be an immature idiot. Got to go to an information break here. You think that over. Give me a call or whatever else is on your mind. 343-700-4390. 343-700-4390. Hey, you can tell your friends, hey, Council did a biblical take on Tiger Woods last night. 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is the long distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. I often think of this tune when I think of stories like that, Tiger Woods and J. J- Paul Giddy. Here's Joe Walsh singing, Life's Been Good to Me So Far. You know, well, I don't think you're going to hear the whole tune, but you're hearing a little bit of it right now. And I think to myself, yeah, he's got lots of money and everything, but boy, buddy, you don't have Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't even know what good life is. Am I being cocky by saying that? I don't know if you think so, give me a call. 343 700 4390 in the capital region, 1 844 562 4766. Hour number two coming up. You think we'll go a full hour tonight? I don't know. might end it early tonight. We'll see. That's a beauty online radio, man. You can do anything you want, pretty much. (laughs) Stay with us. We'll be right back. reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, Cap- no, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. one lnc is on. That's one 844 562 4766 562 4766 Our call service is automated so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that. Just follow the on air prompts and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at TuneInRadio.com or Google Play or just click the Listen Live button at LateNightCouncil.com but you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. council does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time email me at jc at late night and the rates are so cheap because you know we're just relaunching and getting things going again you are going to absolutely love the rates and of course your feedback is always welcome tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and thanks for tuning in we're back live in just a few seconds so hang in there 343 in the capital region. That's 343 700 one 562 4766 If you're calling from Alaska, Prince Edward Island. If you're calling from Koi City, Texas, Loco, Oklahoma, or Babylon, New York, One eight four four five six two four seven six six. 562 4766 JC at late That's the email address. You got to keep it under six lines or I don't even look at it. JC at com, and uh, you can get on me Get me at Twitter at JWCouncil. We've got somebody on the line here. Let's see who we got. Who we got on the line here? It looks like you're calling from the Capital Region. Who is it? We, we've got Mike. Hi, Mike. Where are you calling from, Mike? From Ottawa. Mike in Ottawa. Oh, it's good caller, Mike. Intelligent Mike. Mike co-host. Did you co-host with Nick on uh, on uh, Wednesday night, Mike?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I was in there for a while, uh... About the second hour, I think.
0: So he felt sorry, for you. He, oh, felt sorry for you. he felt sorry for you. Didn't didn't want you to leave then.
2: I think the two of us just start talking and we forget there's a show going on.
0: What's on your mind, Mike? <laughs> I I will not make that mistake, buddy. But you know you're on. You're always a good caller. You always got good takes. What's on your mind?
2: Well, you were talking, segment before the last one, about uh, false doctrines in churches. hmm And uh, I had a little—I just want to read a few lines from John Locke, who was one of the large inspirations for the Declaration of Independence. He's one of the main philosophers that uh, the Americans uh, turned to when they wrote the Declaration. Okay. He was a uh, very interesting, uh, very intelligent man. He did a lot of uh, writings in, in, in on the Scriptures— and uh, this is his take on false doctrines. He says, "If the re-, and this was in 1695, by the way.
0: 1695. If the reading and
2: study, yeah, if the reading and study of the Scripture were more pressed than it is, and men were fairly sent to the Bible to find their religion, and not the Bible put into their hands only to find the opinions of their particular sect or party, Christendom would have more Christians, and those that are would be more knowing and more in the right than they are now. Mm -hmm. That which hinders this is the select bundle of doctrines which it has pleased every sect to draw out of the Scriptures or their own inventions with an omission of all the rest. These choice truths are then to be the standing orthodoxy of that party from which none of that Church must recede without forfeiture of their Christianity and the loss of their eternal life. He goes on to say, thus, systems, the invention of men, are turned into so many opposite Gospels, and nothing is truth in each sect but what suits with them, so that the Scripture serves, but like a nose of wax, to be turned and bent, just as may fit the contrary orthodoxies of the different societies.
0: Oh, Mike, how I wish my listeners could grasp and understand what you have just said there. Because that is super profound.
2: Oh yeah, it is, and again, 1695 and he was talking about the, 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 the dissension of the church. In the article that I'm reading from in his in this little brief bit that he's written here, he's talking about, he goes on to talk about how it he marvels at how the different churches, like the Protestant churches, will accuse and attack, for example, the Catholic Church of their, Extra scriptural takes on things, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we've discussed that on your show many times. You've discussed this, um, but yet they're just as guilty. Mm-hmm. Differently, they they have different doctrines, different little extra things that they've figured into it. Yeah, but they do, they literally do the same thing. Um, I've been fellowshipping with different churches the last uh, number of months, and it's very interesting as they go from one. Uh, set of doctrines to another. Each one literally behaves exactly. All good people, all good Christians, I mean, they're looking you right in the eye. I mean, they truly believe what they're saying. They believe the scripture backs them up 100%. They can pull the, the, the scripts out and say, look, see right here, right here, right here. But, you know, like, you've had people get on the air in your years that are convinced the scripture says all kinds of stuff that you know darn well it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it tells me I get to have slaves, it tells me I get to abuse my wife, or whatever. Mm -hmm, And and they'll go to whatever little couple of lines of Scripture that completely taken out of context, and to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible, which would add balance to what that statement is really saying, and thus they get their little false doctrine, which they now claim is coming straight from the Bible, which, of course, it isn't. So as I'm in these different churches, I'm noticing very different things so like there'll be stuff i agree and disagree with and i'm not the arbiter of what is truth in the bible i i only know what gets revealed to me bit by bit by the lord but i you know i see things that i think okay well i don't agree with that because what about this scripture and when you confront them well what about this scripture because that would seem to contradict what you're saying this one says if they don't answer that then i then that's where i start to Break down if they can't reconcile. Sometimes you can get somebody who gives you a good answer. And say, well, that's how this works, and this is, and okay, okay, now I get it. But if you can't do that, it, then you're what you're doing is literally what Locke said. You're picking and choosing scripture, and you're ignoring other passages.
0: And I think, and, I, I, yeah, and, and Mike, I don't mean to defend any follower of Christ that does that when I say this, but I, I think,
2: think we all do. I yeah, yeah, That's what I was gonna say. Of it, even though I try hard not to. That's
0: what I was gonna say. And I think that is a fault of human nature, and I think that is our natural bend to idolatry. We are always trying to make Christ, we are always trying to make God in our image. I want a yeah, God. Yeah, we do. I want a God that so, substantiates my bigotry. I want a God think about it. How I how want a God that that, that says what I want to hear.
2: Yeah, how many times have we heard things like, well, is God a Democrat or a Republican? Oh, is he God a help us. Is he a or a conservative? God help it's us. It's the same thing. Well, is God a Lutheran or a Pentecostal? Is he a Catholic? Because the truth is, you're lowering God.
1: Yeah, you're yeah. You're
2: asking the question backwards. God yeah. or Jesus are not Catholics or Lutherans or Pentecostals or anything. You're... you're dividing yourselves, and then you're setting up the doctrine according to what you and the rest of the people like you in your group believe to be the truth. And, and you're, so you're bringing God down to your level instead of trying to adhere to the Word. And it's interesting, because there's a line that struck me from Jesus, where he says, you're not to call yourselves teacher. and it, And it's interesting, because the Torah, isn't that technically a meaning for teacher? Isn't that what they call
0: the Old Testament the Torah. Nah, specifically, a,
2: the first five
0: books. Yeah, though. that's that's the law. That's the, the most revered word of God in Judaism. You know, I mean, Protestants but and Catholics Torah pretty much. You say that again.
2: But Torah also means teacher, and so if
0: I'm if not. I'm not convinced that, of that. I, is, I'd have to do some research on that, uh, Mike. I, I, you know, like uh, the, the 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 Hebrew word they use is rabbi. That's teacher. Yes.
2: But the, apparently, Torah also stands for instruction or teacher. It's the word of God. I
0: might be okay. Instruction. And, instruction is different than uh, in, instruction is different than uh, you know teacher because teacher attributes kind of like a personality or a person to it. I mean, if it's if the right, actual you, Hebrew you know, translation. We
2: also try to when we're trying to define these words because as I'm starting to. I wouldn't say learning okay. Hebrew. Okay. I just I, said I just how Hebrew Mike. Works while you're talking, I fact. just
0: looked it up on Wikipedia, which is pretty good on stuff like yes. this, and the Hebrew word is instruction or teaching. Yep. Not teacher. Yes. That's so, where you were throwing me off when you said well, teacher. But instruction yes. or teaching. Was, in other words, like like yes. like like they used to call uh, the doctrine of Christ in the first generation of the church, they called it the way, you know? V- right. Quite similar.
2: So in other words, The Word of God is really the only thing we're supposed to take instruction from. Jesus is the living Word. Mm -hmm. The the book, the Bible you have in your hands is the full Word of God. If you want to know Christ, there he is, right there. Read that book. Mm -hmm. Then you'll get to know Christ. Mm -hmm. So you think about it. I notice as we take our different classes with the different uh, religions...
0: So you've been taking some classes in these churches. What's that? You're not just observing from afar. You're enrolling in some classes in some of these different churches.
2: Yes, I am. Okay, that's kind of cool. I'm learning a lot. It's, it's a great, even though I disagreed with certain things, I'll tell you, I'm learning. Just It's just exploded. But it, it's interesting because oftentimes, rather than deferring to Scripture to help clarify, they go back to somebody else who they follow. Yeah. So, like, while well, I'll cite people like Madison or Locke or Aristotle, I don't go back to them for the definitive Word of God. I go back to the Bible. I always go back to the Bible. I don't care how smart they are.
0: Yeah, Locke's a good guy to quote on a uh, talk radio show, but he's nowhere near the the Bible.
2: Exactly. So I always go back to Scripture to find how to reconcile that, but they'll go back to their guy, not to the Scripture, which is exactly what Locke is describing. (laughs) So it becomes like a bit of idolatry, and I think that's what Jesus was meaning when he said, do not call yourselves teacher anymore and then i had a little passage from matthew i brought up because i was looking up that quote but i found an even better one so you're being a stinker you were being a stinker with
0: these people go ahead
2: <laughs> yes yeah, it says matthew 23 jesus says woe to you teachers of the law and pharisees you hypocrites you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces you yourselves do not enter nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Now, as I've been reading, now, there's a, you know, I, I, is uh, that the
0: same passage where he goes on to say, You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition? Like, that's pretty uh, I, powerful stuff, it might boy.
2: Be, but I, I've read that yeah that's in there too I've I'd have to look up where
0: each, it might take me a, you know a few minutes to look up that specific reference but when he comes out and says that oh my goodness that's uh, uh, that just about nails just about every religious hypocrite that has ever uh, you know tried to take uh, 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 you know take the word of God and, and use it for their own nefarious intents you know well
2: and as late as of late I've been reading through I, I, I've been gone through Isaiah Jeremiah and I'm into Ezekiel. And all three of those prophets have direct word from God, and in a lot of times he's calling out not the law. It's not the law that was the problem that he gave to Moses. They've taken it, and they've distorted it. They've misused it, misapplied it. They've added their own things into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've, they've literally invented their own systems and then lorded it over people and used God's name to sanction their little tyranny. Mm-hmm. And that is not what God was about. He never gave. It's not just that he didn't give them prophecy to say. He's talking about teaching because that gets kind of interchangeable as well. He's talking about the teachers, the the Pharisees, the rabbis were using it, and I can see this in the modern church. I see sure it in different denominations. There's a real string of authoritarianism and control.
0: Well, yeah, because when you don't have the real deal. You know, when you don't have the, the power of God, and we've been talking a lot about the resurrection power of God, which is what the essence of Christianity is all about. If Christ hasn't been risen from the dead, then, you know, our, our preaching is, is absolutely, you know, fruitless. It's it's literally a waste of time, the Bible calls it, okay? But when you're void of that, the only way you hold on to uh, your followers is to enforce a strict code of ethics, and you add all kinds of things to what the you know the Bible says is is authentic Christianity, just for the sake. Well, the old line is you know rules were uh, made in churches so that you know parents could get to bed early. <laughs> I,
2: well, you know there's a, there's a certain truth in the fact that they're trying to. I mean, when you think about the the imagery of light, always is associated with the Lord. Light guides. Light does not control. I mean, God has the power to control us. He could do that in a snap. We don't have to go through any of this exercise. Mm-hmm. The fact that he allows such to go on, he guides us, and we're to also guide, not control. And I find a lot of people, and you know, a lot of it's well-meaning. They they really want people to eat the bread that is the living bread from God, but they, you can't eat it for somebody, and we want them to have it so bad, we're almost willing to, well, we become willing to violate our own principles to do it, and that's when you cross over Into what Bastiat called the do good, or you, you're you're well-meaning, but you can't force. God is not force. Force is violence, sort of like what Milton Friedman discussed. Force is socialism is force. He's saying much the same thing. Force is a violent thing. You're you're controlling people. That's not what God's about. God is about love and understanding and persuading people to to follow Him and do the right thing and hopefully see through our own in our own bad actions and the harm we bring to our fellow citizens and friends and our family, that we would not do that. We wouldn't want our actions to bring harm to somebody else. So we try to be better people.
0: Mike, It's I, all
2: about guiding, not controlling. But I think, you know, people have the... I think we, we, we just seem... There's a human nature thing, that sinful side of us, that... We defer to controlling one another. Mike, we while want you're to, talking... We want to control the thing.
0: While you're talking, I was looking up that scripture, okay, and I, and I came across two of them. First of all, Matthew 15, 6 is the reference, where Christ says, okay. You nullify the Word of God for the sake of your tradition, okay? Yeah. Which a lot of people do, but here's another even more poignant one in Colossians 2, 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. That's huge.
2: Well, and remember what what Locke started out by saying. He said that people are bid to go read their Bible, but they're told what to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I had this little, I had this little uh, trivia thing my dad had on his business card years ago, and it was a little uh, test your IQ. It was like a little gimmick thing, okay? And I've done this on hundreds and hundreds of people over 30-some years. And every single person, for the exception of maybe two or three, answer with the same wrong answer, the exact same wrong answer they always get. So the, the, the thing basically is a little sentence in a box, and it tells you read this sentence, so you read the sentence. Then it tells you, I want you to now count the S in the sentence, so people count the Fs. And they know they're about to get tricked. So the, you're only supposed to count them once, but they count them ten times, you know. They all come back with three Fs. They're convinced there's only three S. Then you tell them there's six, and they look at you like your head's on fire. There's no way. And you point out the fact that there are, in fact, six Fs. So how does everybody miscount the S? And the, the answer is really quite simple. As you're reading the sentence in your mind or out loud, you're hearing the sounds the letters make. And certain sounds, certain Fs sound like an F, and certain, sa- certain ones sound like a V, the ofs. So as, you've, as you're now counting the letters with your eyes, you're actually counting with your ears because you heard three distinct F sounds, so you go straight to those ones, and you completely ignore the other Fs that are right in front of your face. So now imagine that same phenomenon. If people are telling you what this scripture says, you're not really reading it. You're not really asking the Lord, what does this mean? You're not, I mean, it's one thing to discuss it with other Christians and stuff and your pastors. I'm not saying don't, like, I'm not saying don't listen to pastors. Obviously, I learned from pastors. That's, mm-hmm,
1: that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
2: But I'm saying don't allow people to influence. I I've got very good pastors and rabbis that I learn from, but I don't, everything they tell me is not the gospel truth. I take what they they tell me, but then I go and I read it and I question and I, I apply it to the rest of the Bible.
0: I got another... I if I, you
2: don't do that, it's very easy to get misled.
0: Well, I got another uh, uh, verse for you here, and it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, Acts 1711. You've probably heard of this one. I love this one, okay? As soon it was, I'm reading the context. Acts 17:10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character. Now, when the Bible says a certain people are of more noble character, people ought to take notice because it hardly ever does that. Okay, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So it actually says the Bible, you know, to search the Scripture, to see if your teacher, to see if your pastor, or see if this, you know, grand poobah, whatever... You search the scripture to test things to see if whether this person is authentic or not. And I would suggest that if they're quoting their founder, if they're quoting their guru or their prophet, and it doesn't line up with what everything the Bible says, you know, I mean, I, 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 I've i got a book that I've referred to often in my possession. It's called God Told Me to Tell You, and it's about the abuse of the gift of knowledge in particularly charismatic and evangelical churches, okay? And it cites cases where preachers are going around saying, God wants you happy, so it's okay to leave your wife and go have a, an affair with your secretary, you know? which is a total violation if you have any any understanding of what the Bible says okay It is but a no it is a noble thing. It is a noble, thing it is a noble thing it is a noble thing to hold people accountable why what by what they're suggesting you know how you should live your life.
2: But on the flip side of that we've also heard people who will go back to the older churches whether that's Catholic or Lutheran they'll go back to one of the one of the more original, and they'll, stay, without really examining it, they just figure, well, they must be closer to the truth. Probably these other ones. So again, you're not really analyzing what the scripture is or says or yeah, what their yeah. take on it is. Your 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 decision is all image driven, and that's the whole point. That's what the Bible's telling you to not be image driven. You've got to be soul driven. You've got to you've got to look inside. You're talking about the unseen world, and and the only way to understand that is to really apply yourself. I mean, the Bible keeps telling us, if you knock, he will answer. If you truly want to know the Lord, if you want to understand this book, which, I mean, you could spend a lifetime trying to understand it, and you're only ever going to get a bit of it.
0: You ever heard of Hank Hanegraaff?
2: Have
0: you heard of Hank Hanegraaff? Have you ever heard of Hank Hanegraaff? No, no. Hank Hanegraaff... Is known uh, across uh, 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 radio networks and online for the last thirty years as being the Bible answer man. This guy is the ultimate ask the pastor guy. I mean, degrees and everything, and you know, he he had open line radio shows and everything for for decades. Okay, and uh, very you know uh, uh, fundamentalist, not evangelical, but very fundamentalist in his uh, uh, kind of his take on doctrine. Well, it's just hit the news that he's converted to Greek Orthodoxy, okay? This is a, this is a so-called fundamentalist evangelical that's uh, uh, done radio talk shows, and it's exact example of a guy who's kind of gone to a more traditional church for whatever reason. You know, and, and there's, there's some, you know, there's some of his peers are calling him account and say, Hey buddy, you know, like there's a, you know, from where you've been and what you've been doing, what is going on with you there? And it kind of makes you shake your head. Cause I, I've, you know, there's, I've had, you know, some uh, theological influences in my life and, and, and some of these guys later on in life, they go off the deep end or they go into doctrinal error and I kind of scratch my head and I'm thinking, dear God, I, you know, uh, what's going on here. And it kind of makes me call into question just about everything sometimes these people said, I, and. And I guess it just magnifies what you're saying. I, I really believe the Bible is the Word of God. I don't always think that I interpret it properly, but I'm not going to turn my God. back. I'm not going to turn my back on it. And uh, the Word says of itself, and the multitude of uh, counselors, there is wisdom. Seeking you shall find. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Father. I think when you're open-hearted and you're truly seeking God and studying the Word, I think you're going to come to the truth. And it says you'll know the truth, and, and the truth is going to set you free. Set and I also free.
2: think I'm also beginning to realize. Even if you start from a wrong take, even if you go to a church that's got a real wrong take, if you're seeking truth, it's almost like when you're a scientist and you come, or you know, and you're back in school and you you come up with a thesis. Okay, I think uh, if I put coke in my car, it's going to run. Well, obviously, the first time you try that, it isn't going to work. So you're going you're not going to get far with a wrong idea. If you're truly seeking truth, you're going to actually discover through the testing of it. I I find that much of my learning, like in the the time that we've ever talked off air, you know, the times that I would disagree with you and we would both start throwing different scriptures and ideas at each other, I'm telling you, I would go away from that long, long, long after we've ever had a debate. And I would still be finding stuff that either reinforces or redefines what i originally
0: thought or prove or 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 or, or 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 mike or prove that i was right too
2: yeah <laughs> well i'm not gonna say you weren't but i gotta go dude where, you know
0: good having you on mike always a pleasure one of the one one of the best callers one of the best callers that we get here on late night council Mike actually was a producer It was actually doing call screening for us before we, you know, locked into this incredible uh, automated system. Good friend of the show. I don't always agree with him, but that's okay. I don't always agree with you either, and you're still listening, and I hope you keep doing it too, at least until 11 o'clock. I'm going to take an information break, and then will be right back. Stay with us. reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343 74390 4390 That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Capno, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. one lnc is on. That's one 844 562 4766 562 4766 Our call service is automated so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that. Just follow the on air prompts and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at TuneInRadio.com or Google Play or just click the Listen Live button at LateNightCouncil.com but you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. council does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time email me at jc at late and the rates are so cheap because you know we're just relaunching and getting things going again you are going to absolutely love the rates and of course your feedback is always welcome tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and thanks for tuning in we're back live in just a few seconds so hang in there always like Mike's calls. Always. Always got good takes. Got the gift of the gab, too. You got the gift of the gab. You'll do well on talk radio. You'll do well on this show. And if not, I'll be gentle with you, okay? 343-700-4390. Open line, open topic, all the way to 11 o'clock. All the problems solved in the world by then, or triple your money back. John, you don't talk about politics that much. John, you haven't given us your, you know... Opinion on Donald Trump and Justin Trudeau and Kathleen Wynne and everybody else. You know what, folks? I care very deeply, but the older I get, the more I realize if you don't have the light of Christ in your life, it doesn't matter who you're voting for. It really doesn't. And if you're still of the mindset that you think the world's going to be a better place if you elect the right leader, oh my goodness. Nah, I'm going to spend my time talking about stuff that is way, 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 way more important. Because until the heart is straightened out, until it's fixed, and I maintain there is only one solution for a heart, and that's for it to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, that sounds kind of religious and hokey, I know, and forgive me for that. But if you and I could go out for coffee and we could yak, or if you could hang around my church, okay, and see what real followers of Christ act like, I wouldn't have to explain much to you. I wouldn't. And that's not bragging. It's just that, you know, the, the best, and, 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 and you know what? If you want to argue on this shit, you want to say I'm wrong, that's fine. But in my opinion, the best the best evidence for the authenticity of faith is watching people interact with each other. How do they get along with each other? How easy do they pop off and lose their tempers? Are they honest? Are they faithful to their spouses? Do they care about the poor? Do they care about the disenfranchised? Or do all they care about is, you know, making a lot of money or wielding a lot of power? You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus. He he ticked off everybody. Yeah, I mean, you cannot build Christ in your own image. If you got an open heart and you're honest when you crack open the Bible, he is going to say something that will tick you off. He is going to touch a raw chord in your life. And you're going to realize, man, I can't do this thing. There's no way. I can't live this life. Jesus, what you're asking here is just it's impossible. And then he will respond with, very good, now you realize that the only way, now you realize that I'm the only way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, nobody gets through this life to the next one without me. You don't come to that realization until you reach a point of frustration where you realize, there's no way I can live what the Bible says, there's no way anybody can Does that mean we give up? No. That means because if we keep living the way we are, the word says that the wages of sin is death, that all have sinned. Everybody's a sinner. I mean, they're arresting people. Can you believe this? They're arresting people, and they are are suing churches in North America now because pastors are preaching that homosexuality is a sin. Hey, listen, lying is a sin. Adultery is a sin. All have sinned, all, whether you're homosexual, heterosexual, metrosexual, transgender, you know, I mean, a capitalist, a communist, a socialist, a left-wing, right-wing, all, all have sinned. All are sinners, all in need of redemption. And Christ says probably the most politically incorrect thing that any religious leader has ever said in history. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Please do not criticize me for being narrow-minded when I quote Christ. That's what he said. If you want, if listen, if you got a politically correct interpretation of it, that maybe kind of softens the blow and causes people to go, oh, okay. Well, that's all right then. Listen, I'm all ears. I want to hear because you know I've heard it all. But if you call into this show, you're going to get your say. I, I want to hear what you have to say about that because that stirs, if you don't communicate that, if you don't prove to people first that you're more loving, that you're kinder, that you're humble, that you're generous, that you're tolerant, that you're merciful, if you don't get a chance to display those qualities to people, don't expect them to ever accept the, 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 the message that Christ is the way. Because the Bible says we're to speak the truth. Oh, yeah, we love the truth, boy. You take the truth and hammer people over the head with it. But it says we're supposed to speak the truth in love. Because the truth that is is not ministered without love is dogma. And people, you know, they got every right to walk away. In 1 John 4, it says that God is love. Yeah, there's truth. Yeah, there's right. There's wrong. But the defining characteristic of God is love. And if that isn't communicated, if that isn't demonstrated, well, then your truth means nothing. It has no power whatsoever. It will never transform anybody's life. The greatest act of history, the greatest act of love in history was Christ loving us dirty, rotten sinners so much that he was willing to suffer a horrible, torturous death to pay the price for our sin. And the truth of it, and the authenticity of it, was sanctioned by God, who was the one who set the measuring sticks, who was the one who declared and made it clear that the only that the only redemption for sin is is, is that blood has to be shed. He's the guy that created this whole righteous moral economy, and he deemed Christ's sacrifice as as worthy. Yeah, fits the bill, pays the price. The truth sanctioned this incredible act of love. And that's why 1 John 4 describes God as love. God is love. It says it eloquently. Whoever loves God knows God because God is love. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God. Because God is love. Oh, you can have all kinds of head knowledge. You can, you know, I could tell you all about, and I use this example a lot, lot, okay? I could tell you all about Frank Mohavlich. Frank Mohavlich, there were three men growing up when I was growing up, okay? Three men in my life. Jesus, my dad, and Frank Mahovlich. I could tell you he was born in South Porcupine, a suburb of Timmins, okay? I could tell you he lived in the Croatian neighborhood. I could tell you that his brother's Pete Mahovlich. I could tell you that, you know, he played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he played for the Detroit Red Wings, he played for the Montreal Canadiens, he played for the Toronto Toros, he played for the Birmingham Bulls. He's part of the Hall of Fame. I could tell you he scored 521 goals in his career. I could tell you he became a senator here in Ottawa and not the one that plays on the ice. I could tell you all about him. I could tell you that I got an autographed picture of Frank Mahovlich. okay, and he signed it to me, John Council, with 27 on it could tell you that I got a Red Wings jersey with his number on the back. could tell you all about him. Do you know what? If I walked into a room, Frank Mahovlich wouldn't know me from a fire hydrant. I have no relationship with him whatsoever. He doesn't know me for nothing. I don't know him. I know all about him. And sadly, I've just described a lot of people's relationship with Jesus Christ. They know all about him, but they don't know him. They haven't surrendered their life to him. They haven't opened up their heart and say, Jesus, come in and forgive me of my sin and show me how to live. Be Lord of my life. And sometimes people got to hit rock bottom. Sometimes it takes a marriage breakup. Sometimes it takes them sitting in a detox center. Sometimes it takes a bankruptcy. Sometimes it takes them getting fired three, four times. Sometimes it takes them getting in a whole lot of trouble or maybe being really, really wrong. Or maybe, maybe reaching the pinnacle of their career and feeling as empty and as dead as anything on the inside where they realize there's got to be something more to this. Well, there is. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and to destroy. And like in our vernacular, he came to really just, you know, take you and for everything you can. Make all kinds of promises and never deliver. And then Jesus says, but I have come. I have come that you might have life and live it to the full. So that's what I traffic in. That's what I talk about. I don't tell people how to vote. I can give you my opinion, but boy, when I talk politics, when I talk that kind of stuff, oh, I reserve the right to be wrong, always. But when we talk about what matters more than anything, eternity and where you're going to spend it, what happens after you die, how do you make a marriage work? How do you keep your teenagers on track? How do you patch up relationships? How do you recover after you've gone through a devastation? How do you conquer an addiction? I don't see Justin Trudeau or whoever, you know, Patrick Brown or Donald Trump, I don't see them with any solutions to those kind of things. Why? Because those are the things that matter. 343 is the Gatineau region and Capital Region line. Ottawa. Three four three 4390 We're running out of time. You want to get a take and an opinion known, you got to get calling pretty quick. Oh, I got such a good tune to end the show tonight. Oh, I've been waiting for weeks to play this. I've been waiting for weeks to play the tune that I'm gonna start. Oh, around oh, four minutes to eleven tonight. one 844 562 if you're calling long distance, anywhere on the continent. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. I detest American Idol and, like, all these talent shows. Oh, they're boring. I just can't stand them. That's just me. Now, the, the one story that I did love, do you remember Britain's Got Talent? you remember Susan Boyle, kind of the frumpy middle-aged lady, you know, who ne- looked like she never had a date in her life, you know? I know that sounds very sexist, I'm sorry, but uh, because of what happened on Britain's Got Talent, when she came out there and sang that tune from The Miserable, that was one of the most gloriously wonderful, entertaining things I've ever seen in my life. And how she blew those cocky Hollywood Simon Cowell types right out of the water with her incredible talent. That's the only thing I've ever seen on one of those uh, reality talent shows that I was really impressed with. Okay? Well, here's another reason why I would never watch American Idol. And I came across this because I follow Ben Shapiro on uh, Twitter. Who's Ben Shapiro? That's somebody you need to find out more about. Now, remember, this is coming from a pastor, okay? I'm not talking politics now, and this is an opinion now. But in my opinion, this guy just might be the smartest man in media, okay? Okay. He's certainly the smartest commentator in media that I've come across. He's not mainstream media because mainstream media is afraid of this guy. They're scared to death of him because he he disarms them and exposes them for the for the shallow twits that they are. And anybody who knows who I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying is true. You have got to check this guy out Ben Shapiro. Go on YouTube, type in Ben Shapiro, go on uh, Twitter, go on uh, go on Google and do a Google search of Ben Shapiro. This guy's in his early 30s. He is lightning in a bottle, okay? And and you know what? He is infuriating everyone that Jesus would, in my opinion. And I find myself cheering this guy on, okay? Well, I came across, I follow him on Twitter, and he tweeted this out earlier today. Ben Shapiro tweeted this out from the Daily Wire, okay? Another reason why, uh, you know, uh, um, 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 The headline of the Daily Wire is this. She may have been too chaste for American Idol, but a contestant on the show was mocked by the judges for her conservative lifestyle. Okay? Hey, come on. Listen to this, okay? Mariah Peters, remember that name too, Mariah Peters. Listen to this. Mariah Peters was just 16. When she appeared on American Idol, she told judges Simon Cole, Randy Jackson, from the the Jackson family, Jackson 5, Kara DiAGuardi, and Avril Lavigne, she told them that she was a devout Christian and that she was saving her first kiss for marriage. Peters said the celebrity judges praised her looks and her singing but belittled her chaste lifestyle. The Hollywood Reporter writes, one judge told her, you're trying to be perfect, while another told her, go out and kiss a guy and come back, she says. Ah, Hollywood. Peters didn't take their advice. Instead, she she signed on to star in a movie titled Because of Gracia, in which she plays a high school student who, like Peters herself, is saving herself for marriage. She also sings and is called perfect in the movie, just like on American idol seven years ago. What a bunch of slimes. Criticizing a girl because she's saving herself for marriage. That's how screwed up the world is today. It's disgusting. At least I think it is. The American Idol experience taught me to risk without regret, said Peters. I gave those auditions everything I had, and I was as transparent as I possibly could have been. But in the end, I wasn't the kind of candidate they were looking for. It's the same attitude that uh, uh, the vice president in the States, Mike, uh, Mike Pence, has gone through. This guy, he goes by the Billy Graham rule. He will not have lunch with anybody that isn't his wife. He will not be alone with any woman that's not his wife. And he got maligned for that and mocked and ridiculed. For being faithful to his wife. Because to sleaze Hollywood, much better to be a Bill Clinton and have sex with anyone willing who isn't your wife. I mean, that's how pathetic, that's how pathetic, you know, critics of, of, uh, you know, somebody that actually values their marriage and, you know, is serious about their marriage vows. Let me give you the biblical perspective on it, okay? And this kind of immorality that celebrates, well, I would call it even perversion, that celebrates uh, uh, adultery, that celebrates infidelity, that thinks hanky-panky is a cool thing. Remember the biblical perspective I gave you on Tiger Woods, okay? Who bought into that lie? Because everybody's doing it. Let me read it again, what he said. In the Sydney Morning Morning Herald, last week, Ellen Nordegren and I were so much in love when we were married in 2004, but I betrayed her. My dishonesty and selfishness caused her intense pain. Ellen and I tried to repair the damage I had done, but we couldn't. You know, if Tiger Woods had lived by the Billy Graham rule or been as wise with his marriage as Mike Pence was, he'd still be married today, and you know what? He'd have a lot less regrets, and he'd be a lot happier. But no, he bought into, he bought into the, to the garbage that promotes itself as the only way of having fun. I told you last week that Romans 1 seems to be a recurring theme on this program. And last week I quoted to you Romans 1, 18 to 25. And I was researching these stories today and, and coming across you know, the, 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 the absolute idiocy and, and deception that so many people have bought into that I want to give you the biblical perspective, not the same one as last week, but the same chapter. And it seems as though Romans 1 is a a recurring theme on, on, on late night counsel these days. I'm reading from Romans 1. This is 28, reading to the end of the chapter. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. You know what that means, eh? He disengaged their faculties so that they believe absolute ludicrous idiocy. You know, people think, well, common sense is going to prevail. Oh, no, it doesn't. Not when people turn their back on God. I'm digressing while I'm reading. Let me get back to the scriptures. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, god haters. Yeah, you think of the whole concept of fake news while well, I'm, you know, reading this? Gossips, slanderers, god haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Now listen to this. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding. No, I'm not making this up. I'm quoting this right out of a New American Standard Bible, which is the closest to the original Greek here that you can basically get. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. I mean that's almost perfectly describing what happened on American Idol with Mariah Peters. 34374390 3, That's 34374390. 3, you know, just to drive home a point. Just to end this show I think the way it should be ended because it's Easter Sunday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off air tonight, I think, a little bit early, just a few minutes early. And I want this tune to stick with you. Because in spite of how evil the world is, in spite of how God has turned it over to a depraved mind, where there's no more common sense anymore, where people believe lies more than they believe the truth, and they celebrate evil more than they do fidelity and purity, Christ still died on the cross, And the resurrection power still transforms people's lives. And sometimes the brightest and most beautiful diamonds, they shine the brightest on the darkest and blackest surfaces. So people who follow Christ and follow him and and are empowered by the resurrection power I've been talking about tonight, we celebrate this day. Because even though all hell breaks loose, like the psalmist says, though the earth be removed and the mountains cast in the sea, I will not fear, for God is my rock. Probably one of the most beautiful Easter tunes ever written. By the late great, and I can say it now because he's with God in heaven, Keith Green. If you've never heard this, oh my goodness, you're in for a treat. And if you have, enjoy We're back at it live, 9 o'clock next Sunday night. You can tweet about us. You can download the podcast. You can even share share podcasts and links with people. And I trust you'll be free to do that at latenightcouncil.com. Happy Easter. Enjoy the tune.
4: The bells ringing, they're singing that you can be born again. Hear the bells ringing, they're singing, Christ is risen from the dead. The angel upon the tombstone said, He has risen just as he said go tell his disciples that Jesus Christ is no longer dead joy Hello. No. Christ is no longer dead.